Yeah. When we're talking about SWIFT, we're actually talking about how do you have rituals? What do the rituals imply? Right? And it's not that you only have social rituals and religious rituals, but you have national and uh, international rituals. Right? The whole idea of uh, this um, um, protocol, what is called protocol, who comes first, who comes second, okay? who can call a letter, who can call a meeting, all those things are very problematic. Right? And the whole idea of protocol is a big, big ritual. Right? Yeah, of course, I, I always, and I, I, I think that we don't grow, outgrow rituals. Right? Uh, when I joined MS University, I found that this was a huge ritual which was not meant for the teachers. This was clerical work, right? That is admission duty, right? So they all sit out in different classrooms, right? And now they made it centralized in the uh, Prasanna Hall or whatever that is, right? But otherwise, we had to sit in different classrooms and we had this admission process going on. And uh, well, uh, when they said that they're going to computerize admissions, I said, good and bad because what happens to the poor people who don't know computers cannot access computers and we must remember that uh, Baroda is in a tribal district and you have to admit all the people who come from the district right that's one of the norms of MSU which I think have been already thrown to the winds like any everything else right yeah but the most important thing is the ritual con I said the ritual will end because this was a big ritual Right? But unfortunately, people cling to rituals and we keep running after rituals. Like we still wear our genoise and we still wear, take off our shoes and we still do all those kind of things. Right? Yeah. So these are rituals. And uh, why should they be done or why should they not be done is a question. Right? And the idea is when you link that up to existentialism, uh, they become even more problematic because we have something called. Um, uh, this idea that uh, you go and have a bath, right? Uh, a daily bath, right? And if you're an existentialist, you'll question all these kind of systems and why are there all these rituals, right? Now, does Swift's kind of questioning of all the rituals come in from existentialism? Yeah, that's a question that has to be asked. And please ask yourself the question, right? When you're reading the text, because the text is not easy to read, and uh, I hope that woman uh, who asked about whether we're starting the text uh, has come to know that we've actually started the text, or we already had started the text even before we started the text, right? Because that's the way literature is read, and uh, when you read uh, Gulliver's Travels, you can't read Gulliver's Travels without talking about Tale of the Tub, right? Yeah, and you have all this. Uh, the, the scene of the urination which takes place uh, in the palace and all those kind of things. If you like, I'll read those portions out. But before that, we have to do other things because the whole idea of ritual and propriety, right? So we were talking about that yesterday, right? And uh, a lot of the rituals are very stupid and actually can be used in very dangerous manners, right? Yeah. Uh, so all that was interesting, yeah? Because uh, I remember the funeral of Indira Gandhi, right? And uh, Princess Anne was next to General Zia, right? Yeah, and all those rituals were very important. And then we said, well, they shouldn't have, like, according to the laws of 
the Indian government, okay, after a number of plane crashes took place, right, we know about the Homi Baba one, right, and uh, so all those kind of things kept happening and people at one point of time said, no, uh, two officers of a high rank from the same office can go onto a plane, right, because if the plane crashes, that would be a big loss, right, so all those kind of rules were put in later, right, and uh, well, uh, all those things might be important for all of us, right? But going back to our good old MS University and the arts faculty, computers came in and still the ritual continues with as many people, right? Maybe that's a good thing because at least we can meet people from other faculties and get to know them as you work on this, right? Otherwise, you're living in our own uh, other departments, right? Yeah, so that may be the good part of the ritual and I like it for that, but I don't understand what the ritual has to do with verification. Suddenly, uh, when uh, all this, the government started getting very insecure all over the country, right? Uh, the, the whole ritual of admissions also got very insecure, right? In fact, a student from the economics department said, I have never asked, been asked for verification of my home address, right? Yeah, and that became a huge problem because many people didn't have their own house Right, and the it's the uh, lived, uh, lived on a rented house, and the electricity bill is not in their names, and all those kind of very very complicated things took place. Right, and the people in charge said, "I said, what do I do? Because I have to verify that these people are actually staying there, and all those kind of uh, bits." Right, so is there any truth in the verification? Right, and we have this question of terrorism, international terrorism which we have seen and we begin to wonder, is it staged by our own government, right? Yeah, all those kind of uh, doubts keep cropping up, right? Because if all these things were real, like we have in Gulliver's Travels, right? Yeah, he could have actually kept things that these people don't know about, right? Because a lot of it works on trust, right? So if he's actually a person who was a crook, right, and he wanted to really uh, destroy these people, which he had no intention intention of doing. Right? He could have actually uh, been uh, very uh, subtle and got away with it. Right? We know that the smuggling trade has continued. Right? Yeah. We know all those kind of things. Right? And I remember when I went to the UK, I wanted a, a copy of Rushdie's Satanic Verses, and it was banned in India. Right? And all I had to do is go through the green door. Nobody asks you any questions, right? Yeah, and of course, I packed it with a number of, uh, what's this called, covers, right? So that, uh, and with all the other books that I got, I, that's all that I got, uh, American histories, and that's all that I got from the UK, right? And that, that's the only thing that was worth it, right? Uh, so, how do you talk about security, right? The protocol and security are two different things, right? And of course, right here in Baroda, we, when I first came in, we had a fine arts student who, if you have seen the old room, he had done that aunt, aunt which is uh, very interesting over there, right? In my, it was in my room, right now it's in Deepta's room. And uh, when we went for some uh, movie, right? I don't remember the name of the movie, right? And it was in PVR. Yeah, uh, this was something really funny. You have the security check, right? Yeah, 
and the security check is the human beings. So they don't work, right? And that has become a big ritual, right? So you're not supposed to take cigarettes and all those kind of things. Yeah. Now this man, he took out his cigarettes to give it to the security, but then the problem is, as many of you go to movie theaters, of course now everything is suspended, right? You go behind, you go out of the parking, you have to come back, you have to uh, go to the uh, uh, counter in front and you have to get your cigarettes back. Or once I took some, uh, some things to eat, I bought them. They said, no, you have to keep them here and I do all those kind of uh, extremely money-making stunts that the multiplexes have, right? Which was never there before, right? The security is actually something that we have to think about, right? So what happened over there is, this man had a cigarette packet and a matchbox, okay? And he went for the security check and he held it up right before me, right? Yeah, and the man checks everything but doesn't look at his hands with the cigarette and the matchbox, right? So for that is what our rituals are worth, right? And we can think about all the nonsense that is happening in our country, especially with the military, right? Yeah, so the idea of the rituals, right? In spite of all the rituals and all that kind of nonsense, we have invasions like the Chinese have invaded and Nepal has done all this and Pakistan has all that, done all that. We are talking about all these things and we are also talking about how the LTT got into India in the time of Rajiv Gandhi and, and knocked him off, right? Yeah, so uh, how, and of course the security in the time of Indira Gandhi was not uh, something that was not noted by the intelligence, but Indira Gandhi said, I want to be secular, I, I don't mind doing all this. They told her, do not, of course, which, which was a very, very bad thing to do, to say that you can't have Sikhs as security, right? And she said, no, I'm going to, I'm, I believe in secularism and I, I'm not going to uh, do anything about that, right? You can do anything you want, right? Yeah. So uh, that's a different kind of story, right? But the question otherwise is, when you have so much of protection, like uh, today is one year of uh, JNK, right? What happens to terrorism, right? Now JNK is under the center, right? But terrorism still continues, right? Yeah, so these are all huge protocols and big kind of rhetorical statements. And SWIFT is actually taking up all these kinds of things against the English, right? And is talking about English culture, English protocol, right? And the English, like the Indians, are very fond of all this. I don't know whether it happened after they became a colonial uh, power or before that, okay? Or did we, as colonial subjects, with all our toe tapping and kissing the toes and kissing the feet and I don't know what else, right? Yeah, uh, is that something that made them in that kind of manner, right? And of course, they are, they're, there's a cousin of mine who says, well, when these guys come in from Europe, right, uh, they're very simple people. Many of them are farmers and technicians and they, they have very, uh, 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 people who would be, we would not even entertain in the house, we would probably not even give them water to drink in the same vessels or, or the same uh, glasses that we have, right? Yeah, so that they come from the labor class and they come to India, right? And the first thing that you see is, the waiter goes out of the way because there's a white skinned person to, to uh, offer them uh, special services, right? That's what we get, right? And that's what we do, right? And after some time, they think that, well, they respect us because we're white, right? And we're superior and all those kind of things. And we have to think about that because 
we have this huge problem which our country is facing today that is the idea of feudalism being reinstated right so we go on calling teachers sirs and we go on calling we bow down to the teachers and we bow down to this one and that one because that's in our text right and of course my my good teacher who is no more uh, at least I, okay uh, that's ad joshi who went to purdue university he should always be very critical about this right so we have the text okay and the legitimizing of the text okay though people don't read text in india many people don't read text that's uh, you can read up the culture and history of india right but the question is the text is put into practice in different kinds of ways right and the culture okay and the text correspond to each other right now whether that happens in england is not so true of course i was reading something uh, by this person called cook right or somebody else right which is talking about this idea of the purity of women and swift right so all that is a problem because he takes it from the bible right now that's what something that we will discuss when we talk about okay so you have that across religions and i i just don't understand it right and all the feminists have actually come up against it right yeah so if you are doing women studies you will have all these issues coming up if uh, women studies is taught in a manner in which it should be taught right yeah because it's no it's not not even comfortable to talk about all these things for many people right who are teaching women studies in many places right i'm not even talking about our place but i hope uh, our place is a little better than other places which it should be right uh, but what is interesting is when we talk about this whole idea of urination and swift right so you have this whole scene of urination right which is a very important kind of scene right and the question is in an emergency what would you do right yeah in an emergency like when i was a young college student uh, in pune we normally had this huge uh, corner shops muslim restaurants which we normally sat around and kept having cups of tea and having a lot of discussions right yeah that's how we learned things because we talked to people from science and arts and all sorts of areas right and a lot of cigarette smokers and bd smokers <laughs> i don't know what they do now and first of all those restaurants have already been taken over by something called uh, globalization and uh, neoliberalism so all of them have been transformed into huge buildings and the old restaurants Uh, the muslim corner restaurants as they call them or the irani restaurants right these are iranians who came many many centuries ago to india right and uh, they are dying out slowly right yeah you still have them in bombay and you still have one or two still in pune right yeah but what's interesting is uh there's a man who fell on the floor next to me when i was sitting in a restaurant when i was a student like you in college right yeah and uh, i said what do we do right and i was sitting with somebody else and then then uh, they revived him they took a soda bottle and they shook it up and they put the, the uh, stuff into his face right and uh, he got fits right now the 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 solution for fits is take a leather shoe or anything leather and shove it into the man's nose so that the person breathes and that's how they revive right now so we talked about that and that was an important learning lesson for me because it actually is saying well what happens when you have to confront a situation right so in swifts uh, this whole thing about the castle right and the peeing on the castle right yeah 
of course, it's tied up with experiment uh, with this whole idea of this catholological vision of Swift, right? Yeah, and the whole idea of do you keep to protocol or do you not keep to protocol, right? And the whole the toilet business in India and perhaps all over the world in India definitely more so, right? Is almost kind of a ritual, right? And you get that if you have ever taught in schools, right? And you ask people to write about how do your day begin? The first thing begins with the toilet, right? Good and nice, whatever that is. I have no objections to that, right? Yeah, uh, and I think people should be more vocal about all these things, right? Yeah, but what is interesting is that when Swift is talking about it, it's not that he's using, he's talking about drinking the local brew of these people, right? And then uh, you get uh, the effect of what you call a diuretic, right? Uh, which uh, I'm, I'm sure you know about, right? You get certain uh, drinks uh, and things like coffee, right? Yeah, uh, coffee is also a diuretic, right? Diuretic is something that stirs up urina the urination process, right? Yeah, so many people who suffer from kidney ailments, right, are given uh, today injections, right, to actually uh, make them urinate, right? Because if you keep the urine and if you keep the stool in your system, right, uh, then you have other complications as we've discussed in one of the early lectures when we talk about Aesop's fables and the body politic, right? Yeah, so that's behind what Swift is doing at one level, right? Uh, the other level, he is talking about uh, the treaties, the two treaties, the second treaty and the first treaties of Locke, Locke right? The question of issuing of governance, right? And without that, and I'll come back to that, so please make yourself acquainted, at least with Locke, yeah, I'm sure you'll find it in some uh, dictionary of uh, philosophy, right? Try it online, Britannica, right? And you can look at Locke and Locke's philosophy because without uh, being aware of Locke's philosophy, a lot of stuff doesn't operate, right? Yeah, of course, uh, uh, the, the, the person I was reading, I'll give you the references tomorrow because I don't have them here, right? Uh, is also linking this whole idea of the urination business with uh, uh, Dryden, who we spoke about yesterday, right? And the Dunciad, right? The Dunciad is, uh, so the uh, Pope's Dunciad, right? And they are also talking about, so you have cross-references, though it says that 1778 uh, it was published, right? Yeah, so you have Dryden, you have Pope, and uh, you have a lot of correspondence with Swift and all these guys, right? And he's actually talking about this idea of uh, uh, urination, right? And uh, a fight or a, uh, what you call... A, a competition, a urination competition, right? Okay, and that's male power, male, all that nonsense. I don't know whether they would have uh, a female urination contest, right? And that'll be interesting if somebody even writes about it. That'll be even more interesting, right? Yeah, because it'll be different and it'll be very feminist in many, many ways, right? And I'm sorry if I offended your sentiments, but that's exactly what literature is supposed to do. We're supposed to think and offend people's sentiments so that they think about things in a different manner, right? And that's exactly what Swift is doing. And in the story, or in the content of the story, it's talking about what, how one has to uh, violate protocol, right? Yeah, and of course, that becomes a big issue because it, uh, the, the whole idea of 
the danciad and the pissing and the danciad is all about education and how education has gone to the dances, right? Yeah, and well, probably you might say the same about education in India today because uh, that's what uh, our, our wonderful government is doing to all education all over the country, right? So that becomes uh, a pissing project, right, as it is. And that's exactly what he takes us to, right? Uh, yeah, so we're talking about the idea of a ritual, right? And the, the, the toilet ritual is an important ritual in India, and Swift talks about it in the earlier part or, or the early uh, chapters of book one, right? Yeah, and at least in the first and the second portion, definitely, right? And uh, of course, it's a bodily function, right? But then the question is, how does it uh, assume what you call a political status, right? How does it become a political status with the idea of the body politic, right? So at one level, you have the ritual, right? And the ritual and this whole idea of the body is something that you already know about, right? Which is something that we have in the Renaissance where we talk about the queen's body, right? And that becomes a big issue because Elizabeth I becomes a queen, right? And uh, all the courtiers create this nice theory about her being a virgin queen and we all know that she was not a virgin and she had uh, a whole lot of sexual affairs with a whole lot of people, right? Of course, there are stories also that she had an abortion and she aborted uh, uh, kids, but I don't know if there's any proof about that, right? Uh, if you want to check on me, uh, there is Stefan Zweig's book on... Mary Queen of Scots, right? So you can uh, look all that up, right? And uh, look up Elizabeth and all this kind of thing. The two queens, I think that's the chapter. I read it a long time ago and I don't know if I'll ever be able to get that book back because Max Miller Bowen is uh, dismantled, right? The literary section, the history section and the art section as a part of what you call neoliberalism, which was by a German called... Uh, Carl Schmidt, right? Yeah, okay, fine. Sorry for giving you all those uh, unnecessary details, but that's important, right? But, uh, so, when we're talking about this idea of the body, the queen's body, it's not anymore a personal body, right? Yeah? So the queen is a person in her own right, she's got her own personal body, etc. But the, the body is not hers in many senses, it belongs to the state, right? So, all these very complicated kind of theories are created for a long time and these are debated in societies, uh, in the English society, especially about, we are talking not about the common English people. No, Swift is not a common English person. He is one of the educated people, but very few people are educated, right? And he's got into all this, uh, even though books were short in supply, this whole idea of studying and culture of studying and all that kind of thing was already established, right? Yeah, so, uh, and the whole debate between him and the other people is all documented and a lot of letters are still available, right? So you might like to uh, think of all these things and try to get hold of all these bits and pieces because we can't talk about the text as a text, but we talk, talk about the text and the context, right? Without the context, the text doesn't make sense, right? I think we know that, right? Although uh, at a later date, the neocritical, the the new critics would talk about only the text. I don't know what they do with 18th century literature, because 18th century literature, literature you can't talk about the text in isolation, right? Yeah, and even even if you take Eliot, and you take 
the perpetrators of the new critical movement, right? Uh, you begin to wonder, can you really talk about Eliot without all the connections outside the text, right? Like for instance, he talks about Lower Thames Street, he talks about uh, all these kind of things, right? Yeah, which are very interesting, yeah? And you go and see them, and you see them in London. The, the wasteland is about London, right? The wasteland is talking about this whole city of London, right? And if you don't know the city of London, how do you read the wasteland, right? So that becomes a problem. And the wasteland, the city of London is a text like the wasteland is a text, right? Yeah. And when we're talking about uh, Swift, we're looking at the maps. We're looking at the political stuff that is going on. We're looking also at also religious bigotry, which has become encrusted over there, right? Yeah. And we also have a tradition of humor, which we get from Chaucer onwards, right? So all these things are forces which are at working on the writing over here, right? And the idea of the ritual which we talked about, right? And what has happened is, uh, it is actually the Catholic Church which was the most ritualistic and they got the rituals <laughs> from the Romans, right? Yeah, and they, uh, many people would think that uh, a lot of the Roman culture and the Roman culture uh, and the customs of the Romans get into the, uh, the Romans and the Greeks, right? Get into the church rituals and practices, right? Yeah, and that goes on for a long time. And when you have a split in the church, the Anglicans get all these things. And it's only the Puritans who actually say, let's get rid of all this stuff and let's just read the Bible. But that's after a long, long time, right? When the Bible becomes available to other people, right? Yeah, so uh, that's church history. I'm sorry, I have to go into all that, right? And Swift is having the battle of the books, okay? And he's having the tale of the tub where he's actually talking about this whole idea of Catholic, Protestant, and dissenter, right? Or Puritan, right? So you can read the tale of the tub, right? And that's directly linked up to all the kinds of things that we're doing here because that is talking about three people, right? Yeah? And this is talking about also, is talking about different people. And what it does is, is talking about different people's cultures. And it's talking about being an ambassador and not quite an ambassador. Right? Because you're taken captive. Right? Yeah, you first, the first thing is he's taken captive. Right? He doesn't go in as an ambassador. He's taken captive because of a ship accident. That's the way the narrative goes. Right? Yeah? And the whole idea of winning the trust of the people who have captured him is very important. Right? Yeah? So that's something that kept happening and still keeps happening. Like for instance, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you have that in literature and you have that also in real life, right? Uh, like this man who, uh, whose plane crashed in Pakistan the other, a year or so ago, right? Yeah, and somebody says, well, you can't do anything to him and don't, don't harass him because he's a military man, right? You have that in Hamlet, right? Yeah, and uh, you have that in Faust, right? So Hamlet, uh, Fortinbras comes and says, well, He's a king, you have to give him the, the funeral of a king, right? Yeah, and uh, in Hamlet, yeah, he's a scholar, take him up, and uh, in Faustus, okay, he's a scholar, take him up and uh, give him a proper burial, right? Yeah, in spite of all the kinds of problems Faustus lands in, in spite of all the, the disarray that uh, the, uh, the uh, king of Denmark has, right? Yeah, or the prince of Denmark, Hamlet is the prince, he's not crown king, right? 
Uh, in spite of all that, the idea is you have the idea of protocol state, right? Yeah, so we must remember that the British have this idea of protocol for a long period of time, right? And even now, if you go to Britain, you'll still find them, right? Even their uh, manner of eating, right, is full of protocol, right? You have the five forks, five spoons, and five knives, right? Yeah, so, uh, sorry, I, yeah, if I've got that right, because you've got a five-course dinner, right? And the minute you finish a dinner, these people take all the stuff away, right? And of course, I don't know what the reason is, but they all come with uh, this kind of cape, right? And that's the kind of status that they have, especially in the university, right? Even if they are waiters, right? They've got a certain kind of uniform, right? So when you're talking about SWIFT, we're talking about society and we're talking about culture. Why do waiters have to wear uniform, right? Okay, or why do security guards have to wear uniform, right? And how do we uh, cut across all that culture to get your work done, right? We are living in a bureaucratic India, right? And we do this all the time, right? Otherwise, we can't survive, right? Yeah, we have to cut across uh, very traditional kind of bureaucracies, right? And try to find the human, right? And you will find a human being in all the mess that we are in, right? We know how to negotiate this because we live in India, right? And we're doing that all the time, right? You have to get one small signature, you have to go around the bend, and some some good person somewhere down the line lets you in and say, ah, right, yeah, yeah, let the person in and get, get uh, let the signature happen. And then another person will say, no, by the rules it shouldn't happen, right? Yeah, and we know that this is a great pretense, right? And what is interesting about Swift is, he's talking about the pretense of what you call uh, the ritual, right? The pretense of what you call uh, protocol, right? And the question of the human being in this whole process, right? So please think about that, right? Yeah? So when you're talking about the protocol and you're talking about not moving and I don't know what the soldiers do and I'm, I'm very sad about all the soldiers in Kashmir who have to stand in the cold and shiver away and uh, all those descriptions are really frightful, right? Yeah? Uh, what happens when they have to answer uh, the calls of nature, right? When they have to go to the loo, I don't know, right? Okay? I just don't know because... Uh, this, these are problems that we have all over India, right? Yeah, and uh, this is a huge kind of an issue, right? And the one is you have to stand up for long hours, right? I don't know if people are kind enough to them and give them a time to go and relieve themselves, right? Yeah, so Swift is actually talking about uh, the human as a body, right? And most of what he is doing is you're talking about rituals and the body, right? Yeah, and all the rituals are about the body, right? Yeah, it's it's spiritual maybe, it's not spiritual, right? Whether it's actually looking at the body and the whole idea of cleaning the body, that's a ritual, right? That's a ritual which is incorporated in all the religions all over the world. Washing of hands, washing of feet, right? Washing of the head, right? All those kind of things, shaving of the head, right? These are rituals, okay? Or shaving the hair of all the body, right? All those kind of things are rituals which the, the religions take up very seriously, right? Yeah, and also in the military and in other parts of government or governmentality, you have all this kind of thing going on, right? Yeah, so when we're talking about this, these are things that are very important, right? Yeah, so even if you read the first accounts of trails, yeah? When trains start in India, right, they don't have toilets. Nobody's thought about a toilet, 
right? And then the accounts of it saying that, well, we had run to the toilet, there was nowhere to go, there was no... Yeah, and we, we still know that all these things are still going on in spite of our Swachh Bharat and all those kind of things, right? And that's a very important thing. Uh, please read the Pankar Gupta, okay? Uh, and I think we remember a very important uh, line that he says over there, right, where he says, when we learn to keep our bathrooms in India, right, he's talking about India and mistaken modernity, right, we learn to keep our bathrooms as clean as we keep our kitchens, then we'll have a sociological shift and a different kind of way of looking at ourselves, right? Yeah, so this idea of the toilet, right, the idea of the self and the toilet, right, that's what Swift is talking about, right? This is a necessary part of being a body, a human body or an animal body or the Zoom politicon as Aristotle would call it, right? Yeah, and all of us might not, I mean, uh, this is something uncomfortable, right? But the thing is, it has to be talked about, right? And the question is, he's talking about it as political, right? And he's talking about doing good with urine, right? Maybe our people in India will be very happy because they're talking about cow's urine, right? And perhaps Maharaj, Muraji Desai, wherever he is, will be even more happy because he always went around the world talking about drinking his own urine, right? Laughed at by some people, have a lot of followers in India at least. I know there are a lot of followers uh, who are my age and, and many years younger than me and older than me, right? And Muraji has really set an example and maybe a number of other people will, will also do these things, right? Yeah, and of course, uh, at that point of time, there was a big debate and the huge amount of debates about whether auto-urine therapy is a good idea, right? Yeah, and Muraji kept living on and on and on, and many people said that's auto-urine therapy, and other people said, no, it's elitism, because he was an IS officer, and he was a prime minister, and all those kind of funny things, right? Yeah, so they said he eats only... Uh, uh, the most expensive fruit which the common person cannot eat, right? So how can you talk about it at all, right? So it's not because of that, but it's the lifestyle he, he lives, right? Now, as a critique, right, when we're talking about all this kind of stuff, right, the idea is how do we actually look at Swift and the political ramifications of Locke and the political ideas that are going on in England at that point of time, right? And if you have to read this as literature, and for all the people who are talking about the text, right? Yeah, this is the text, right? And part of the text, as you know, is what goes into the text and what goes into making of the text, right? And the idea of the political debate about governance is something that is important, right? Okay, and this is a critique or some people would call it uh, schism or satire and all those kind of things, right? Of course, the method is satire, right? But it's also talking about the people who suffer in this kind of system, right? And that's what is interesting about the text, right? Okay, and of course, as uh, uh, Robert Louis Stevenson says, yes. It's Rudyard Kipling, sorry. Kipling says, well, it shouldn't be given to children to read, right? Yeah, it's good that it's given to children to read, right? But all the, the uncomfortable parts are taken out because uh, of Victorian morality, etc. Right? Yeah? But the idea is, when you read Simone de Beauvoir, right? And she's talking about uh, a person 
who has a hose in his hand, right? Yeah, uh, and you're talking about, and she's talking about herself, right? This is the second sex, and she's one of the early feminists. Many people say that the text is dated, but as literature students, you have to read the text, right? Yeah, you might say Shakespeare is also dated. That's a very interesting trend that is taking place, right? We are talking about moving beyond. I don't know how that those ideas come up, but when you're talking about reading a text, the idea is go back and read Simone de Beauvoir and what she's talking about when you're talking about a man standing up and urinating, right? And a woman having to sit down and urinate, right? Yeah, and she's talking about how she holds the the hose pipe when she's watering a plant and she says, well, this is the power that human beings get, right? Another important thing that Swift is talking about is heels, right? He's talking about the heels that are worn by uh, the people in power, right? Which is actually a Frenchified way of operation, right? Which is something that came in with Charles II, perhaps, right? In the in the, the English courts, right? So uh, they're called court heels, right? Yeah, and uh, I think in my day, yeah, maybe in the 80s, right? They suddenly came back into fashion, even in India, right? Where uh, a lot of men wore heels, right? And of course, I must uh, tell you about the Freudian way of looking at it, which of course gets a lot of uh, flack from the feminist, right? So Freud is talking about uh, the idea of heels, okay? And it's very sexual, right? In as much as the idea of women wearing high heels he links up with a something called the castration complex, right? Yeah. So, and of course, Freud sees sex everywhere, right? And uh, Freud has been disproved about this whole idea of uh, women thinking that they don't have a penis and therefore they they feel inferior to a man and all those kind of things, right? Yeah. So, uh, so you have to look at all these different kinds of people and think about what's happening when Swift actually uses this as an act of power. A benign act of power is not a, 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 a malign act of power, and he gets into trouble because he pees on uh, on the castle and saves the castle from burning. Right? So it's a benign act to save somebody, not to destroy somebody. Right? And of course, it's the whiskey which has made him urinate so much. Right? Yeah. So that's one uh, part of it. Right? Yeah. But. Uh, what is also important is when Freud is talking about penis envy, right? He talks about the castration complex, right? Yeah, and when he's talking about the castration complex, you have women who wear danglers, right? And Freud would put them that into what you call the castration complex. High heels for him is a castration complex, right? Yeah, so uh, women wearing high heels. But what about all the people in the 18th century who are men? Who had what they call court heels, right? Yeah, and you can go and look at all the pictures, and almost every ma uh, man is dressed up with these kind of high heel shoes, right? Which become, uh, of course, in the play that we did last year, that is, uh, uh, what's it called? We have the world, right? They're actually represented as fops, right? The over cultured men are looked at as half wits or uh, yeah, all that kind of thing, right? They're half a man and all those kind of things, right? So the whole idea of masculinity and how does Swift 
teach masculinity or how do we deal with masculinity is one of the very important problems of our text, right? So when you go through the text, look at all these things, right? Yeah, so the idea is, first of all, protocol, I'm going and uh, uh, defecating or, yeah, uh, or, or urinating, all those things become very central to the text, right? And uh, it's used in political manners, right? And it's not about the body as a body, right? It's about a body as a political body, right? And here you're talking about a huge body in the land of little bodies, right? So what exact? So it's not about the real body anymore, right? Yeah. At one level, it looks like the real body, but the whole idea of acts of defecation and all that is giving you a metaphorical body, right? Yeah. So we're talking about the metaphorical body and the human body, and we're talking about how you relate it and what kind of symbolism do you get out of all that, right? So that's something that I think is extremely important to studying the text or reading the text, right? And when we're talking about the court heels, uh, what happens to power and wearing heels, right? So that's again, from a much later perspective, right, is something that Swift is attacking, right? Yeah. And what is interesting about that is you're actually prefiguring Freud in many ways by talking about the idea of using uh, high yields and power, right? Yeah. Now the question is, how do people show their power? Some people dress excessively, okay? Some people underdress, right? Sorry for taking into all that, but uh, this is a person called Sources the Self and uh, he's very much alive. He's a Canadian scholar called Charles Taylor, right? Yeah, so you can read him if you want. He's uh, done a lot of work in uh, sociology and um, uh, philosophy also, right? Yeah, so a lot of, uh, and political science, right? So you can read him, the books are available, right? So uh, look for Charles Taylor and read him, right? So uh, what he's talking about, this idea of the self, right? And he's talking about the body and the self. Right? And we talk about embodiment. Right? That is, how do I fit into my own body? Right? So these are important things which we talk about when we talk about Swift. Because when we talk about Swift, we are talking about what happens to my body. Right? The body is at the center of all this. Right? The body and how the body operates. Right? And the question of being kind to people, not trampling on the people around. Right? Because so then you're suddenly conscious of the body, right? I remember my early days as a math student in Pune University and I hope those days come back because all the nature has been taken away, right? Yeah, and the, the Pune University was a great place because uh, there's this Australian bush that one of the governors had brought from Australia. He was an English governor, right? And uh, he came from Australia and he planted this Australian bush all around. And it's even now it's very wonderful because after the rains, it dries up, they almost look like sticks, right? Yeah. And one rain and the whole of Pune University is green, right? And when I went in, uh, you had much more rain coming out on the streets, etc. And a lot of these little frogs, right? I hope uh, you've seen the little frogs, right? And we tried to walk past and not kill them, right? Yeah. And I remembered something uh, which is very funny. It's a very funny kind of story. And the story is from a man called Maxim Gorky. And many people think that he was a paid Soviet writer, right? But of course, his story actually made me laugh when I was reading it, uh, preparing to join the English department in Pune University. I had to read a lot of literature, right? 
So I read some Maxim Gorky and this is called about the, the mother or something like that. So it's an extract taken from there, right? And he's talking about the day his father died, right? Uh, I think his father died? Yeah. Or oh, mother died. Something like that. Yeah, mother died, right? Yeah. So he goes to the graveyard and nobody is there. Just like a COVID place, right? Nobody is there, right? And what is interesting is you have all the frogs jump on the coffin, right? And that's something interesting. And Gorky, of course, we must look at him as a paid writer who's trying, of course, he was killed by Stalin and all that. Those are different kinds of stories. But it's important to think about what he's saying and how he becomes uh, what you call a Marxist uh, ideologue of the government, right? Yeah. So he's actually, all these people, all the frogs jump out the coffin and this little boy who's five years old, right, pre-constructed of course, right, is saying, that, well, I know, okay, my mother is dead, right? Yeah, but, and the, it's not fair for the living frogs to be buried under the earth and die, right? So that's where you get this whole idea of the body and little people, right? So you get the same thing in Swift, right? And uh, I'm sorry, I'm intertextual, but that's the way it has to be learned, right? Because we have to look at literature as literature, right? And we see that this is happening in a 20th century writer or a late 19th century writer. It's also happening in an 18th century writer, right? And we're talking about the big and the small, right? Yeah, and the question is, how does a big person actually care for the little person, right? Yeah, which is something that is important, especially in our own country today, when the idea of the minority is probably taken over and is totally destroyed, right? Yeah, so one of the things that he's doing is he could have actually walked over there, right? And then the question is, he, there is a whole amount of guilt in this pissing incident where, and of course, I'll talk about the romance and the, the reading of the romance, and because of the reading of the romance, the whole castle cuts fire and all that, We've, you've already read the text, so you know about it, right? Yeah, but the question is, there's a whole amount of guilt that he's done something inappropriate because how do you use urination to save somebody? Right? Yeah. So if you have to use all these kinds of things that are not okay, like I talked about the shoe, right? And how do you put a leather shoe into somebody's, what else do we have of leather? The belts and the shoes, right? Yeah. Otherwise, uh, I don't know if how many women have leather handbags and that was an absolute male cafe, right? There was a lady section, of course, right? Uh, and that was, uh, you had to pay maybe two rupees for a cup of tea and otherwise it was 70 paisa or something in, in the general section, right? And of course the general section was full of smokers. So I don't know if any women at that point of time, even if they wanted to smoke, would come there, right? Yeah, but what was interesting is, how do you put a piece of shoe into somebody's nose? And if it's necessary, you have to do it, right? Yeah, and that's exactly when the body becomes so important, right? It's like the story that you get about Satya Sai Baba, right? And one of these boys who said to put ash around the place when they're having some kind of puja, right? And suddenly the poor fellow is suffering and he faints, right? And the doctor is called and he's made to open up his clothes, right? Yeah, and when he opens it up, there's a, there's a bag which is tied around his stomach with all the ash and it's tied with strings and it comes and it bangs on uh, 
two people and that's how you get the ash in the hand, right? So all those things are discovered and uh, Sai, Satya Sai is uh, got into a lot of trouble, right? And of course he doesn't care, right? That's a different story, right? But when you look at all these stories, the question is what happens, right? If somebody has to go and urinate during an important ceremony, right? Or somebody gets diarrhea during an important ceremony, right? Yeah, so that's one. And the other thing is, these are in Greek culture. When you read Foucault, Foucault is talking about dreams and he's talking about the idea of Artemidorus, who's a Greek philosopher, right? And he conducts an experiment, not with the, with the elite people of Greece, but he goes down to people on the street, right? And he looks at the people on the street and the elite people in the same and talks about dreams long before Freud talks about dreams, right? Yeah, and Foucault's way of dealing with it is different, right? And you get all these dreams about shitting, right? Yeah, which is also in the Indian context, right? Yeah, so all the dreams of shitting is supposed to give you, uh, if you get a dream where you're shitting a lot, right? That means you're going to get a lot of money, right? Now that's the interpretation of dreams, right? Now what does the dream tell you and what does the dream not tell you is a question that is subject to subjectivity and debate, right? And now is that true or is it not? It's as, it's as superstitious as reading your palm or reading your Janma Patrika or whatever that is, right? And I don't buy any of those kind of things, but the idea is Foucault is talking about method, right? Yeah, so the question is, and that somebody in the past took the trouble to actually think about dreams and what dreams are, right? And what is important is today we've forgotten about dreams, right? Yeah, but uh, dreams were important in cultures uh, once upon a time, right? Yeah, and that's why Lewis Carroll reinvents the dream when he's talking about Alice in Wonderland, right? And I'd like to go back to Alice in Wonderland because I think that's all, uh, again talked about as a child's story, right? Of course, the problems with uh, this man called uh, uh, what Doddard, Charles Doddard, is today he's looked at as a kind of a pedast from the kind of photographs he takes of children, etc., etc., right? So that is something which Gandhi is also accused of, right? Yeah, so uh, we have to consider all these things when we talk about a text, right? And that's how we read the text, right? So when we're talking about this idea of treating dreams, right? And what is the difference when you look at uh, somebody like uh, uh, what's his name? Lewis Carroll, right? And talking about the large and the small in a dream, right? And we look at Swift, right? When we're talking about Swift and what happens over here, he's actually talking about this as real, right? Now the question is, how real are our dreams, right? Yeah, and this is something that Freud gives weight to and other cultures also give weight to. The Bible takes note of dreams and dreamers. You have Joseph the dreamer, right? And his dreams become political dreams, right? Yeah, because his dreams are taken up in many ways, right? And you have a man called Daniel in the Bible, right? Who's thrown into the lion's den and the lions don't touch him. Uh, yeah, that looks like very spiced up, right? Because if they're hungry lions, they're going to eat anything that they get, right? Yeah, but anyhow, that's the story and that's in the Bible and all that kind of thing, right? So you can look at it and uh, as literature, when you look at it, that becomes interesting, right? Yeah, so the idea is he actually is taking Nebuchadnezzar's dream and analyzing it, right? And Nebuchadnezzar's dream is very much like our dream uh, or the state of the, uh, the caste system in India, 
right? Yeah, so you have the, the head, okay? And Nebuchadnezzar is like the Caesars, right? And that's the kind of culture that we're talking about, right? Where the head of the state is also a king, right? Of course, I think India is moving there, and I hope we don't, because that would be going back to an ancient kind of past, right? Which we've probably forgotten, right? Yeah, uh, but what is interesting is, you get this thing in the Bible where Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and then he does, he's disturbed by the dream because the statue falls down and the statue falls down. And we're talking about all the statue politics that we have in all the parts of the world, right? Yeah, we had the pulling down of the statues, right? So what happens over there, right? So uh, the idea of the dream, and this is a political dream, and he's talking about his political ambitions. And they said, well, there's a man who's thrown to the lions and his name is Daniel. We'll call him back. And if he's alive and the lions have not eaten him, but he's an interpreter of dreams, right? So he comes and he interprets a dream, right? So you have that happening again and again in the Bible. And he says, the writing is on the wall where we get the English expression called the writing on the wall, right? A hand comes and writes on the wall. Yeah. So that's taken. And it's saying the writing is on the wall when somebody is going to be pulling politically unhinged, right? So that's uh, an expression which comes from there. But what is interesting is the body becomes so important, right? So you have the tradition of the body and the idea of the body used as political discourse, right? Because that's what Swift is doing over here, right? So he's actually taking the body and there's a serious way of talking about the body, right? Yeah, and it's not something that is new and different, right? It, a lot of innovation because you're talking about the large and the small, right? Yeah, and of course, uh, that's something that Freud is talking about, and that's what is uh, used in the idea of psychology, right? And is used in advertisement, right? Yeah, and is used in this idea of uh, today, in the idea of capitalistic advertisements, which is also a kind of a game which says, Mine is bigger than yours, and yours is bigger than mine, or mine is better than yours, and yours is better than mine, right? Yeah, of course, uh, the sexual element is absolutely there, and I think all of us understand that, right? Yeah, so this whole idea of comparing sexual parts and talking about which sexual part is bigger than which, right? And that goes back to this idea of the Freudian, right, where they're talking about the woman not having a penis, and the man having a penis, and uh, Simon the Bubba also takes that up. Right? Yeah? So the question is, what is going on over there? Right? So when you're talking about governments, right, the big and the small become extremely important. Like you have in Swift, all the little people go around and he says, well, well they have a, a laugh when they're going. Uh, you have these uh, regiments, right? Or the phalanxes that are passing. You know what a phalanx is? A phalanx is a military kind of formation, right? And I don't know how many he says 100 abreast. I don't remember what that is. Abreast is how many people walk in line, right? Yeah, now these are military formations which have been from the Romans and are still part of the Indian army, right? So we have to dismantle colonialism, dismantle a wonderful Indian army because they've got all these kinds of things still there, right? Yeah, so you have a, a formation and a military formation which is so many men by so many men and normally it's square. I don't know if it's rectangular. Right? Yeah, so you can ask some military men, uh, do you have all these formations? What happens in a formation like this? Or have they disbanded with the infantry and the cavalry and all this kind? Which I don't think they have, right? They still have these old artillery units and uh, the cavalry and the infantry and 
uh, all those kind of things. I don't think they've disbanded with all of that, right? That's tradition from the Roman Empire, which the English also get, right? And which is also passed on to India, right? So somebody asked me, no, not in your class, but in the other class, they were talking about colonialism and how does colonialism work, right? Yeah, and when we're talking about Swift's Gulliver's Travels, we're also talking about the idea of negotiating, right? The negotiator, okay? And coming in, you could be actually, and that's exactly what you're talking about when you talk about rhetoric and this man called Aristotle, right? Uh, who uh, safeguards rhetoric, and the, there's another person who you're, you are going to study or have studied, whatever that is, right? Who's called uh, Cicero, right? And who's put to death in uh, uh, the Augustan Empire, and he, his hands are chopped off and hung up over there, etc., etc., right? And his last words, and of course, I think it's important to say his last words today, right? Because he says, with me dies the Republic, right? Because that was supposed to be the golden age of Rome, right? And the golden age of a person who's totally democratic, like Cicero, right? Yeah, and he's trying for the idea of keeping, yeah, you'll get that in your M.A.R. Habib, I think you'll get that over there, right? Yeah, so when we're talking about rhetoric, yeah, we always talk about how do you look at people and not irritate them, right? That's what Gulliver is doing, right? The idea of rhetoric was taught in schools to everybody, including Shakespeare and uh, other people, right? And I've got all the uh, dialogues of Cicero, right? And all the writings of Cicero, which is talking about or oratorio and other writings, right? Yeah, which is talking about how do you actually make sentences, which Okay, and you're talking about reading the audience, right? Yeah, so you read the audience and you make your statement, right? And the question is, you have to push the audience and many very good, uh, yeah, I will stop in a while. Yeah, very good uh, politicians and orators push the audience to a limit and then they know, well, this is the limit to stop, right? Yeah, so you get the audience, arouse the audience, and you're talking about different methods, and that's, of course, there. Please read the rhetoric part of your Emir Habib, okay? And you'll find out how rhetoric is used, right? Yeah? So, uh, what is Swift doing, right? In his writing, he's actually taking on the rhetoric and saying, well, look at it, this is what I'm doing, right? I'm actually trying to negotiate with these people, right? As an educated man, I'm dealing with people who might be uh, barbarians, who might be savages, who might be all these kind of things, and they can be very nasty, though they're little people, right? They can be like the lion and the mosquitoes, right? Or the story about, uh, yeah, the rat and the lion, or whatever that is, right? Some of these fables also have that, right? So the question is, they can, or the other thing that uh, Swift is compared with is Samson in the Bible and the Philistines, right? So Samson is this giant, Right? And the Philistines are the smaller people, but they are actually uh, out to uh, irritate Samson with the jawbones of axes, uh, asses, right? So they, they go and pinch him and tickle him with those things. And here this is a blind giant, right? So the question is, you have to look at the idea of the blind giant, which is from the Bible, and take it and look at how Swift has dealt with that very creatively. Okay, and he's talking about all these other things, right? 
Uh, I'll talk about Samsung. Uh, do we have a class tomorrow? No, we don't, right? So I'll maybe I will uh, make a podcast.